Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. A bit more crazy and crazy by the day. And uh, most of you know, understand what we're talking about. There's always something happening and going on. Um, I was reminded this morning, thinking about that, that uh, the world is going to look for people that aren't crazy. It's going to look for a people that are solid, foundational, know what they believe in, have faith and hope and truth, uh, not sway, uh, swayed by things that are happening or shaken by things that are happening. And more and more, as our world, uh, you know, some crazy things happen and things are, decisions are made and all kinds of things are going on, uh, we need to be people that can be looked to to be solid and foundational and people will go looking. We need to be light that's in the darkness and we need to be truth when there isn't truth. And... Um, Today I want to talk about a secular versus kingdom mindset, having a secular versus kingdom mindset. And what does the word secular mean? Sometimes as soon as I say that word, some of you um, have images of their anti-God or anti-this or not that or whatever, and whatever maybe you've had experience with that. Let me explain what secular actually means. Secular uh, means it's relating to worldly things or to things that are not regarded as religious, spiritual, or sacred. Uh, Things that have a temporal view, okay, opposed to having an eternal view. So a secular view is temporal. This is going to start and end here and, and all that, where as Christians, as the kingdom of God has an eternal view. Secular is not connected with religion or opposed to the sacred. A sacred is just another word for religious or, or something like that. Uh, it, is not concerned with, it is not concerned with non-religious subjects. And so when we think about the word <coughs> secular, you would have heard things like uh, a secular society or a secular school, meaning it's a state, you know, a state school or a uh, government-run school opposed to a Christian school. Uh, you hear things, a big one is probably secular music. You listening to secular music? Or opposed to Christian music? Here's a, here's a question. If someone who's a full-on Christian sings a secular song, is that song still secular? That's too hard, isn't it? Sorry for messing with your minds. I hope, hope I do it a little bit more. So, and I just want to, I want to talk about mindsets because how we view the world and how we view things going on around us is very important to how we're going to treat people and situations. And so, here's another question. Does the Bible distinguish between secular and Christian or secular and spiritual? Does the Bible talk about it? Yes and no. Yes, the Bible talks about being set apart. The word church in the New Testament means the called out ones. That's what the word church means. So you're, we're sitting today here as the church. We're sitting here as the called out ones. Okay, the called out ones. That's how God views us. He's called us out. Called out from the world and set apart for God. 
This is primarily in relation to, though, the world's ways and having an ungodly mindset. So when, when the Bible talks about that, he's talking about a way of don't, don't live by the ways according to this world, by the pattern of this world, the way the world lives, and don't have an ungodly mindset, a mindset opposed to God. Okay, He says, come out from those things, be set apart from those things. I've called you out of that. So in a sense, yes, in the Bible can talk about it. You can look at that in some way as God's calling us out from a, a, a non-religious or worldly mindset. But in other, word, in other ways, no. Because as we still live in the world, we are called to influence it with the kingdom. In other words, it shouldn't cause a divide. We shouldn't be totally cut off going, I'm having nothing to do with the world whatsoever. If we had that, uh, if we had that mindset of I'm just cutting myself off and, and living in my own sort of space here, it's you and me, God, and we cut ourselves off, then if we do that, then how can people be reached for Jesus? How on earth can they hear about him if we suddenly just cut ourselves off from then? So we can't be cut off totally from our ungodly or secular world that we live in. Jesus said, go into all the world, not some of the world, not just parts of the world. In fact, in the New Testament, when they just hung around Jerusalem and just speak to the Jewish people, he allowed persecution to come that made them go out into all the world. He he got them separated. They were forced to move out because of persecution because he wanted others to hear about the gospel. Here's another thought along those lines. All creation is God's. And one day all creation will be restored, it says in Romans 8.22. We know that God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way, it says in Ephesians 1.22. He did this so that God may be in all, 1 Corinthians 15.28. In other words, all peoples, cultures and authorities will one day be brought completely under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, His Father. So I'm just trying to get you, this is having a kingdom mindset, okay? What about this? Isaiah 2.2, listen to this scripture. In the last days, the mountains of Yahweh's temple will be raised up as the head of of the mountains, towering over all the hills, a sparkling stream of every nation will flow into it. What does that mean? This is what this means. Mountains in the Bible are often used metaphorically for kingdoms. Kingdoms and governments are like mountains and his hills on the landscape of history. The mountain kingdom of God is in view here. It will be the chief of all the mountains, the highest of all the hills. The secular world sees Christ's kingdom as irrelevant and powerless. But one day, the kingdoms of the earth will be leveled and the king's mountain will be high and exalted. With no rival, Jesus will sit enthroned. That's, so I'll reread you that scripture in that context. In the last days, the kingdom of God will be raised up as the head of all the kingdoms. 
towering over all the smaller kingdoms, and a sparkling stream of every nation will flow into it. What's that talking about? It's talking about people coming to know Jesus from every nation, from every language, from every tongue, coming into the kingdom. Now, what's the kingdom? The kingdom is the king's domain. Kingdom is in God's kingdom is not in a physical place. It's not one place. It's not just in church on a Sunday or here, there. It's wherever the king's presence is. It's wherever the king has domain. And when we read the Bible, Jesus has his kingdom. He has domain to go wherever he wants. The king can go wherever he wants. So wherever the presence of God is, his kingdom is presence. People can be saved. People can come to know Jesus. That's why simultaneously right now, we can be having church here and across the other side of the world. People People are coming to know Jesus in Africa, in Asia, in Russia, in China, in all these places all over the world right now. Simultaneously, God is working in hearts because He can be everywhere at once. His presence is not limited. His kingdom is not limited. So as Christians, what should our mindset towards a secular society be? Just want you to think about that. How did Jesus think? Because I think we always need to come back to how Jesus thinks. How did Jesus look at things? How did Jesus act? And we'll talk about that in a moment. Here's another thought. Can the secular be infused with the spiritual or the kingdom of God? Can the kingdom of God influence the secular, even though they say we're non, it's non-religious, we don't talk about God? You know, secular shouldn't be seen as like anti-God. Now, I understand that some places would say they are. Okay, that can happen. But majority of what people label as secular it's not, doesn't mean they're against Christians or against people. They just don't talk about it. They just don't, they're just not, we're just not religious. We just don't really chat about that. It doesn't cross our mind, religious thoughts and, and, and things. And some of you would work in places that you would label as a secular workplace or secular place to work in. The problem with thinking secular versus Christian or kingdom, secular versus kingdom, is it creates a divide in our own mind which can affect the way we view people and places. So if we suddenly go put those people, oh, they, they're non-religious. They don't believe in God. So I put, I'll put them over there. We, I believe in God, so I'm over here. And suddenly we've divided ourselves. Suddenly you've created a divide in conversation. How you view every other, their comment, oh, they're coming from a non-religious view. Do we ever see Jesus coming and talking about that too much? Putting people into boxes. He, with some of the religious leaders, he talked about them. They should have known better. He talked about them. But generally, in people in all society, we don't see him putting people in boxes or labeling people in certain ways. So we can create a divide in our own minds if we start to look at people in a certain way because of what we perceive they think. So yes, there are secular places and, there's always, and there always will be, but God isn't concerned about physical places. He is concerned about physical people. God, it makes no difference about a building or a place, what they label themselves or whatever they think or whatever they're doing there or however they think God is not welcome here or if we don't talk about God, it makes no, he doesn't care one bit, but he does care about the people. 
He does care about people's hearts. He loves them just as much as he loves you. He, just, he loves someone who would say, I'm non-religious or I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. He loves them. He loves them just as much. He loves someone who's on fire for God and loves God all their life. It makes no difference. He loves them just as much because he loves people and he cares for people. He draws people. He wants people to come to know him. And so do you think that God is limited because of a place or a group of people that label themselves as secular? Do you think God is suddenly limited going, oh, we're a non-religious place, and God goes, oh, sorry, I can't go in there? Oh, the door says, yeah, I, well, sorry, Holy Spirit, you've got to stay out. You know, you can't go through that door. And uh, this is a secular place. This is a non-religious place. They don't, they don't believe what, you know. And so do you think that stops God? Do you think you are, do you think you're limited? If you find yourself in that environment, there was a man in America, and this is this story um, got me thinking about this subject. There's a man in America who one day uh, came up to a pastor, and in a well-known American pastor, I said his name, you'd know him, and um, he came up to him, and he worked for a very large company in America. Came up to this pastor after a meeting, very upset, and he was just and worried and and stressed and. And, um, and he came up to him and said, you know, I, I work for this massive company, he said, and I'm the only Christian out of hundreds of employees. I'm the only one in my place. What, why has God put me in there? It's so difficult. It's so hard. I can't do this. I can't do that. And he would have labeled it as secular. He said, they don't, you know, I can't do this. I'm not free to do that. And, and, uh, and, and he said, it's so difficult. And I said, I'm thinking about leaving and going somewhere else. And, and the pastor just was silent for a little bit. And listened, and he said, so he said, you mean to tell me, of all the people, of all the Christians in the world that God could have used, he chose you to be into that place, to be the only one, and trusted you with all those hundreds of people that don't know Jesus. He trusted you to be in that place, to shine light in that place, shine light in the darkness. He, he chose you to be in there. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's empowered you to make a difference in that place. He could have chose all these other people, but he chose you. And the guy just sort of stood there thinking for a moment. Because it all comes back to your mindset. It all comes back to how you perceive the situation. And so this is what I want to talk about because I've had those exact conversations with people, you know, and the Christians saying it's so difficult. I'm in this place and it's so hard and, and I, you know, and then I come up against this barrier and that wall or whatever and they, they're talking in the same way and, and, they're, and so they're negative and, they, and it can be difficult. It's not saying it's not easy. But when you start to look at it from God's perspective, it's not about what you do in your strength, it's what you do in His strength. It's almost this guy was thinking that he gets to work on a Monday morning and he goes to the front door and opens it and then the Holy Spirit's like, so I'm sorry, so I'm with you to here, but once you go through that door, sorry, I've got to leave right now because I'm not welcome in that place. He might have thought that like God had stayed behind outside and he's in there trying to do it by himself. The truth is that God is with him wherever he goes. The truth is the presence of God is with you. His Holy Spirit was inside of you, wants to flow out of you. And the only person that limits him doing that is often us by the way we think, where we walk in with faith instead of fear. Listen to this, Psalm, I love this Psalm, Psalm 139, 7 to 12, it says, Where could I go from your spirit? 
Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to, the, to heaven, you're there. If I go down the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with the wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It says, wherever I go. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. See, God, it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the environment. It doesn't matter what people think, say, whether they say they believe in God, not, whatever, whatever signs they put up or whatever, it makes no difference. He just looks at people. He sees beyond all of that and sees people's hearts. And we need to be people that see beyond that and see as God sees. We always need to come back to Jesus' example. What was his mindset? What do we see? Was Jesus limited by surroundings? Was he limited by situations? Was he limited by buildings and structures? He walked on water. He spoke to storms and they stopped. He wasn't even limited by the environment. He wasn't even limited by, by weather. Or he just told the weather to do what it was told. Was he limited by what other people thought of him? People thought all kinds of things about Jesus. Didn't worry him one bit. No, Jesus only talked about kingdom. His first message was this, Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. That's the first thing he said. He basically announced the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. No one had said those words apart from John the Baptist and Jesus. They hadn't heard those words, anything like that, for over 400 years. He says the kingdom of God is here. He talked about bringing light into the darkness. He carried light. He talked about us being a light to the world. He talked about carrying his presence wherever Jesus went. His presence was obviously with him and his, the kingdom was at work. People being healed, set free, transformed. He talked about in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't your kingdom come on just a group of people or a particular place. He said your kingdom come on earth. That means everywhere was accessible with the kingdom of God. There was no limitations, no matter what they said. At that time when Jesus was speaking, they were ruled by a Roman Empire that would have had, if we were thinking in our terms, that would have had secular type buildings. They had their own gods they worshipped, but they had all these different buildings and, and things set up. Jesus did miracles in the buildings, outside the buildings, outside the temple, in the streets, in people's homes. It didn't matter. Wherever there was people in need, he would meet the need. He would carry the presence of God. The presence of God breaks through any darkness. The light is he carried breaks through any darkness. Any spirit that came against him would had to step out, step aside. Any worldly thinking had to step aside because the kingdom realm was much greater than any any worldly or thinking realm or any secular realm that has been set up by man. 
It says, as Jesus traveled through, in Matthew 9, 35, as Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he said he healed every kind of disease and sickness. So every went, the power of God was flowing. Everywhere he went, there was no limitation. Everywhere he went, people were being transformed and healed. They didn't know what to do with Jesus. The religious leaders didn't know what to do with him. The Romans didn't know what to do with him. When they came to arrest him, they came with hundreds of soldiers because they were so scared that he could speak a word. In fact, he did. He spoke. He said, I am. And they all fell over. Not a few of them, hundreds of them. They'd seen miracles. He'd raised the dead. They, were, they thought he could do anything. We need to take an army to get this guy because he could do anything. They didn't arrest him. He allowed them to arrest him because he carried all power and authority. And sometimes we forget when the Holy Spirit fills us that he said that same power and authority you carry. And how many of us don't live with it? Because we think we're limited. We think that, oh, that's no, too hard. And it's not. It's, you just got to change your mindset, change your thinking. So as Jesus wasn't limited, there are no limitations to what God can do through you and in any environment or situation that you are facing. But if your mindset's negative or only in the natural realm, you'll go into a situation with fear. There's a lot of fear at the moment in our world over all different situations, over viruses and over a whole lot of things, economies and, and this and that and the other. There's a lot of fear. And so we can try and live in the natural realm without God and we'll be living with fear. But if your mindset is positive and comes out of God's kingdom realm, you'll be full of faith. You'll be full of hope. You'll be full of light. You'll be full of truth. And our world at the moment needs people who are full of faith, full of faith, bringing light and hope through their words and actions. Everything you say, people listen to what you say. They see what you do through your words and actions. We need to carry hope and faith and life through what we say and what we do because people, whether you realize or not, are looking for people to bring hope because they're full of fear. They want someone to speak truth. They want someone to speak with, with love and kindness and they want to see something different. They're crying out for something that's real. What's the truth? What's going on here? I'm finding it hard to trust all these different people. I can't trust this anymore. I can't trust that anymore. What's the truth? And we need people walking in truth. So the way you think is important. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but, in the, in, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So the way we think is so important. The way we think about people is important. The way we think about life is important. The way we think about ourselves is important. Let me just read you this. This is very interesting. John Hopkins Medical School has found that 70% of disease is psychosomatic. What does that mean? The word psych means the mind and soma is the body. That is not to say 70% of disease is not real, but rather that the origin of these diseases is not found in physical cause. The origin in nature first occurred in the mind. As a person begins to harbour and foster negative thoughts in the mind, these manifest in the body. Thoughts have the ability to make us well or to poison the body. Negative thoughts weaken the immune system and poison the bloodstream. 
Several years ago, Stanford University found over 2,000 different chemical secretions that were released into the bloodstream, which were all based on how we thought. Whether you thought positive, negative, whether you're full of fear or full of faith. Now, that relates to everything in society, the way you think about someone. The way someone thinks about you, whether you think of encouraging someone, whether you're speaking down on someone, you're releasing your mindset, you know, is full of fear. If it's full of fear, it's going to affect your physical body. And there's people that get, go through terrible situations and, and, and you know, lots of and family situations and brokenness. And suddenly at the back end of it, they suddenly get really sick. And suddenly when they've, but when, and I've seen other people, when they deal with that and they get healing and holes from that, suddenly the illness they start to recover. So all of that is true. It all, it's all real. They've, they've documented, they've studied that it's how you think affects everything, all of life. So how we think is so, so important. I want to show you a short video clip in a moment, one of the highlights of the Olympics. And uh, you may have seen it. May have, it, only, it was only on TV for a day or so, and it's very hard to find the video of. And, um, but it's the Fiji rugby team the sevens won gold and uh, and I want to tell you just read a bit of their story because it's what they went through it's not through the games what they had to go through to get to where they got to five years ago last Olympics they won gold for the first time everyone in their team is a Christian they're coached by Aussie coaches Fiji's rugby team won the country's second gold medal before celebrating with a prayer of thanks and a hymn this happened about three days ago the team beat New Zealand 27-12 in the final, a win which their captain, Jerry Tuai, called even more special than their first victory because of what the squad had recently endured. After the team got called into five-day training camp during Easter of this year, they were told that the country was going into lockdown, something which had stopped them seeing their family since. As a result, they have spent most of their time free time shut away in a hostel or training in a gym they built in a garage. Following the win, uh, Asali, and I can't say his last name, Fijian rugby union player said, we've been away five months from Fiji. My father just passed away last year. He was the man who encouraged me to play rugby and the gold medal is for him. And my baby boy, he's one year old now and I haven't seen him for five months. I didn't even get, a kiss, I didn't say get to kiss him goodbye when we left. It's tough for me. The player was unable to finish speaking as he broke down in tears, showing what the win means to the team on a personal level. Gareth Barber, who's the team coach, said, I, I have to pay special tribute to the players. By the time these guys have flown home and done their quarantine, they won't have seen their families for 20 weeks. It takes a special kind of person to make that commitment. After winning their gold medal, the team gathered in a circle to give a prayer of thanks before filling the Tokyo Stadium, which is empty due to the COVID-19 pandemic, with a rendition of their team hymn. Jerry Tuai, the team's captain, said, We always start with our prayers and songs. We always end with our prayers and songs. And that song says that our God is a loving God and that while we always tend to go astray in what it, and what he expects from us, he still loves us and gives us good things. 
Mr. Two Eye took a literal interpretation of the lyrics, taking off his gold medal and putting it around Mr. Barber, the coach's neck, to show the appreciation for the man. Discussing how proud he is of them, Mr. Barber uh, added, for a few of the boys you saw out there today, the tournament was the first international rugby they'd ever played. For some of them, it was the first time they'd ever been out of Fiji and ever been on an aeroplane. A lot of these guys are learning to be away from their families, learning to be overseas. But if you do it right, that does create a unity. You won't find a tighter group of people than this team. If you give them a vision of where you want them to go, they will run through brick, brick walls for you. What you saw out there today and in the last three days is evidence of the resilience of this group. I want to show you, this is 45 seconds of them after the game. If you, didn't, if you didn't catch those words, they say, we have overcome, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the Lord. After that, and, it's, and you can't find this uh, anywhere, they got, all got on their knees, both knees, the coaches, everyone in a circle, and for another 10 or 15 minutes, began to cry out and pray for their nation and prayed out loud. Everyone was leaving the stadium, they didn't care. And they just stayed in a circle and began to cry out and pray for the people of Fiji, for, for God to touch their lives and to continue to worship God. And I just want to tell you that in any situation, doesn't matter where you be, whatever, they're in the middle of the Olympics and they found a way to honour God. They'd gone through, maybe it's not easy, they had to go through a whole lot of stuff to get to that point. It was not just about winning a medal, it was about getting through five months of being away from family and, and, and going through a whole tough situation just to go and do that and they finally got in a place where they could give honour to God. Commentators that watched that at BBC and others, I, they, I, this commentary, I heard some of it and you can read about it and a lot of them started watching it as they started speaking about, oh here they are singing a song and as they started speaking they had to stop speaking because they started weeping. Commentators couldn't stop speaking anymore, they're going this is, they said this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, they were touched by what they were watching all around the world that saw it because they simply stopped and honoured God and I want to tell you this, that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you might work in a secular place, you might work in a, in a school, you might work in a situation of people that they would say they're anti-God, I want to tell you that God has no limitations His kingdom realm has no limitations, that you are filled with the presence and power of God the Holy Spirit dwells in you and the moment you walk into that place, you carry the presence of God. You are there to shine light in the darkness in people's lives. And God is not limited to what He can do, no matter what signs are put up, no matter what the attitude may be, no matter what people think. God is able to move and do miracles in the midst of people's lives. And the hardest person, the hardest person, the hardest one to reach, the most anti-person is usually the person that God will go after the first time. And if you can't say anything, then just simply pray for them. If you
can't say anything or do anything, then just pray and watch God move before your eyes because God will break open the hardest heart and break open every life and make doorways where there was no doorways before. And I want to encourage you today, our world at the moment needs people walking in the light. As He is in the light, walk in the light and shine in the darkness. Why don't you stand? Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.